Hello everyone, my name's Hadil, also known as Hadil Speaks, and you're listening to Miss the Point, a podcast where I'm joined by many politicians, activists, journalists, and everyday people to talk about politics in the 21st century. Now, as you've read from the title, today's episode is called How the Education System is Failing Us. We need change. And I'm actually joined by two amazing young activists, Reem and Loshini, to have a discussion on this. Hi, I'm Reem and I'm from Pimlico Academy. Hi everyone, I'm Lashini. I'm 18 years old and I'm studying PP at the University of Warwick. I am the Member of Youth Parliament for the West Boroughs and I am also part of an organisation called People Power who works to rethink the possibilities of education in the 21st century. Now I'm going to get right into this episode and first of all, I don't think we can actually start talking about education and the changes we need to see without talking about the protests that took place at Pimlico Academy. Now we've actually got one of the students who led and organised everything that happened. Obviously that's Reem and Reem, I'd love to ask you, what sparked all of this? What caused it to happen? Why were all these Pimlico students protesting? So ever since we had a new head teacher come in in September, he also brought along with him a lot of policies and new policies that were quite discriminatory towards some certain groups, such as you cannot have hairstyles that obstruct people's views. And if you had to wear, if you were to wear a headscarf, it had to cover entirely all of your hair or you don't wear it at all. Um, he also put up the Union Jack flag outside of the school, which a lot of people have been fixating on. It's only a minor problem that we have been addressing but it is a problem nonetheless because we did not mention anything about Black Lives Matter any sort of Black History even in Black History Month it was completely ignored by the school it was very evident that we were not being listened to when we did raise our concerns and so therefore we felt like this protest was the only way to get our voices heard and I guess it did yeah for sure I think a lot of people across the country not only heard the voices of Pimlico students, but also I think felt empowered to recognize the faults within their own schools. Because when I'm hearing all of those things and the stories coming out from the students of Pimlico, I'm thinking, is this unique to Pimlico? And when I really think about it, I don't think it is. What do you think about that, Loshini? I definitely think it's a problem across so many schools up and down the country but what I always find interesting is have you guys ever been in like debating club or in year seven debating and they say right we're going to debate school uniform and so in a class we can debate it but suddenly we're not allowed to say anything about it which I find really interesting and that happens with so many different issues um, especially in schools and there's a massive problem of students not feeling heard someone shouldn't tell you how how you should define a religion or how you should express that as well um and it does really stigmatise students, you know, like a teacher telling you off for something like a headscarf um, or another religious item. It is really, um, it, it, it's really kind of isolating for a student. I definitely agree with what you just said there. And actually, you know, stigmatisation is what parallels the alienation and isolation of different groups, especially when we're centering whiteness as though it's the norm or what is normal. This definitely isn't the first time I've seen a policy that is discriminatory towards black hairstyles. And I actually think it's rooted in how we always tend to center whiteness as the normal. 
And I find it kind of ironic and interesting, in fact, because in schools we're actually always taught about the British values, two of which being mutual respect and tolerance. And I don't actually see where this mutual respect or tolerance lies in telling people to change who they are in order to live up to the standard of whiteness instead of just accepting people for who they are. It's less about having a uniform identity and rather about trying our best to integrate and embrace every individual for who they are in our society and in our schools. This starts with our schools. The true essence of mutual respect and tolerance is captured when we embrace our differences and see how each individual plays a part in our society, our school communities and our wider world. I don't see teachers discriminating against students because they're tall and may block the view of others. And so why do we do the same to students with hairstyles or natural hair that may do that? And the simple answer is because we continue to centre whiteness as being normal and everything else as being other. Boris Johnson doesn't get told he's unfit to be Prime Minister because he brushes his hair but a young black girl in a school gets told she doesn't deserve to learn because of hers. Now, I think already through our discussion, we've touched on uniform policies. And so I wanted to see what students up and down the country were thinking, how they felt about uniform policy. And so I did a poll on my Instagram. By the way, if you aren't already following me on Instagram, it's at Hadil Speaks. Feel free to follow me there so you can get involved in future polls and in future discussions. But anyway, I posted a poll on my story and I asked, do you find uniform policies problematic? To which 68% replied yes. I then asked, if so, why? So to all the people that had voted yes, why did you think they were problematic? People said two words, Pimlico Academy. So obviously you can see that the protests and the demonstrations have brought a lot of attention to people but also many people were talking about how they encourage sexism and someone actually said they encourage the hypersexualization of young girls from a very young age. Now I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast and both Reem, Loshini and myself understand that the issue is much more complicated and intricate than just yes or no. So Loshini tell me what do you think about uniform policies in schools? I think it's a hard one because uniforms obviously do have their benefit in making students, you know, feel as a collective, feel united, also in kind of uh, representing a school, but at the same time, you know, just identification, knowing that someone's from a certain school. But at the same time, there are countless number of specific policies that are really unnecessary and again going back to these sexist values I think that is more apparent with kind of non-uniform days and things like that you know not showing off your shoulders um having a certain length of your clothing things like that how sexual your outfits are absolutely ridiculous and the fact that this comes from institutions which are on the whole I would say male-led is really alarming you know we're trying to move forward and not backwards and the fact that we're taught from this young age to have to cover up cover up for who I also went to an all-girls school and we had um, policies like that and the only males were teachers which makes it even more alarming right I think you've picked up on something really key there I think if we 
continue with this rhetoric and this idea that we push and the narratives that we push in school surrounding clothes, who we should police, how we should police them and why we should police them, we actually make way for things that prove to be more damaging and harmful to our society in the long run. Another area of consideration regarding our education system is the curriculum, where it needs to go, what it needs to cover, etc. Loshini, tell me what you think about the curriculum and the education system on that regard. I mean, when I think of education and especially secondary education, we don't realise it, but it's our toolkit for life. You know, this is our manual to life. This is our guide for how to live our lives in a sense. Most most kids across the country spend five to seven years in secondary education, yet a lot of them coming out not knowing what taxes are, um, how money works, um, what are their legal rights, what laws are essential um, for them to live. Also things about their mental health. You know, a lot of people come out of school not knowing how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with depression. A lot of people don't know what it actually is. And there's still a massive stigma about mental health issues, which is something we have to correct because we are teaching the future adults of our country that depression isn't a thing. It's absolutely ridiculous. We have to be, you know, and also it's the idea of these kinds of skills and tools only come like maybe one hour a week in pastoral or um, PSHE. How can we spend one hour a week learning about the skills that we will need for the rest of our lives? And we understand that, you know, things like history and geography and science, they're all really important um, in terms of academics and finding your passion. But again, a lot of kids don't know how to find their passion because they're not taught in a diverse way. Also, something that I realised was when I came to university, I finally felt like I was in control of my education when I was able to pick, you know, the course that I wanted to do, the modules that I wanted to do, what I exactly I wanted to learn. Was it world politics or national politics? Things like that. And that's something we should be giving to 13 year olds and 14 year olds. How can we teach them to be leaders? Um, we should be giving them again. I think more people have to think of education as a toolkit. There are skills that young adults and children have to learn. Yes, yes, yes. I completely agree with that. In fact, our current education system was built off of the factory model of education. Our education system wasn't made to create the leaders, the innovators and creators of tomorrow. Our education system was created to make obedient factory workers who would only speak when spoken to, only do things when told to do them. So of course, when you put that into today's society and the demands required from today's society, problems are going to arise. And that's simply because our education system wasn't made or built to equip our future leaders, innovators and creators of tomorrow with the skills that they will need to fulfil those. Another thing I want to discuss is the constant cycle of examinations, particularly the methods used to assess students how much information they're attaining and how much they're learning. And actually, I also want to draw our attention to the Swiss cheese issue. And I know it sounds kind of hilarious, but trust me, it's kind of concerning actually, if we're being honest. Essentially, the Swiss cheese learning occurs when an individual moves through a course with gaps in their knowledge, skills, etc. And then these gaps shouldn't be there, essentially. If you're learning, you shouldn't have this many gaps. But as the course moves forward and as the individual moves through the course, these fundamental gaps in their knowledge become impossible to ignore and it catches up to them. 
And one of the key things that actually intensify or catalyze this issue is the fact that every student in a class is expected to learn in the same way, using the same methods, and will engage with the same things. Of course, in a factory, the owner wouldn't care how the workers like to work, they just have to work how he wants them to work or what's most efficient for the business he's running. But we can't be applying that to schools with students with different minds, different interests, different strengths and different weaknesses. And then, in the end, only applying one form of examination, which is essentially memorization, to assess how much they know. Really and truly, when you go out into the working world and when you go out into the wider world, you're using many more skills than memorization and essay writing. Why do we not encourage, strengthen and assess these skills in students while they're in school? Also, something that we don't realise as students is a lot... <laughs> the education system is also a market, we're forgetting, you know. Schools do get paid, there is money involved, exams are for reputation as well. There are league tables, which I think is one of the craziest things ever. How does my school sit on a league table? Um, students, you know, we're working to be as high as we can on the league table. It's ridiculous. And also it's the fact that um, grades are capped. So, you know, only a specific amount of people can get eights, only a specific amount of people can get nines and sevens and so on. Why, why is that the case when you come to uni and, you know, um, any amount of people, like a lot of people can get firsts and two ones and, and so on and so on. Right, this idea of success. Now, I want to move the idea of success away from the students and actually onto the system. Do you think our education system should be enjoyable? Because I think it would be a great success if it was. And I think that's perhaps a really important idea and perspective to have in mind when we are educating students. Yeah, 100%. I mean, what is the point of going to school if you're going to hate it. There are so many kids that are like, oh, I hate school, I don't wanna to go to school. And that's definitely not how that they should be thinking. Like my six-year-old brother dreads going to school. And I'm like, what? You're in year one. You should be so excited to go to school, let alone cry in the weekends because you're gonna go back tomorrow. Um, I think also my personality, my favorite subjects were the ones with my favorite teachers, um, the ones that actually made an effort to make the lesson much more engaging, much more fun for the students, be able to relate to them on a personal level as well, rather than just read off the slides of the board and that was that. It definitely, you need to be able to resonate with the lessons as well. I think loving your subjects and your lessons also makes you work harder. You know, that that's something we all know. You're going to work harder on something and you're going to enjoy it um, if you do like the subject and you like what you're doing. And it's crazy to think that that's something I've only found out at university and I've gone through the entire system. But also, I always loved the creative arts. So, you know, like drama, music, even sports. Yeah, I wasn't that great at sports, but they were the most fun subjects. And it's I find it so heartbreaking when you find out that schools don't have enough funding um, to even have drama lessons, to have music lessons. And it's weird that I'm coming from a place of privilege. How is it that privilege means I can enjoy my subjects and I can learn a music instrument and I can be taught drama and um, be in a play? That's not privilege. That's something that every single child should have the opportunity to do. 
And I think also we don't realize it, but there could be, you know, the next greatest mathematician sitting right next to you or the next greatest, greatest scientist sitting right next to you. There are so many children that, you know, children are potential. They have so much potential in them. You two both have so much potential in you, but we're not shown that through our education system. You know, we're not taught to really use that potential, even find the love for our subjects because it's all clouded with exams and homework and detentions and things like that. Um, and even just, you know, sitting in some um, lessons and it's just a slot like slides being shown one after the other. Right, and don't you think it actually takes away from so many subjects that are actually incredibly interesting with so many parts that we could enjoy and learn from? There's so much behind subjects that we don't know. Like maths is an entire logical process and we wouldn't know that if you, if you haven't learned about like where an equation is derived from where it comes from how to draw it graphically and things like that but because of the differences in education and i wasn't taught those things until i had a friend come and tell me i was like you're doing a maths degree you're maths and he was like no no no, you don't understand why maths is amazing and he used to explain all these different things to me and i was like why was i never taught i might have liked maths i might have really enjoyed it if i was taught it like this the other thing i was going to say is i think what what media does as well is sometimes scapegoat teachers and it's really really harmful and really horrible because teachers work the same amount if not more as students do and it's not always their fault because they are again trapped in the system like students are which is and it, it's really horrible because we've seen it through COVID they've worked so hard to deliver online lessons and I know you know it's not always the same case for teachers and there are some teachers who um, don't always deliver the best lessons and that can affect someone's education, but there are teachers that work so, so hard to deliver for their students and are trapped in a system in which they can't actually nurture their students and nurture their education. Um, so I can't also imagine how frustrating it is to be a teacher in this system as well, you know, um, trapped by curriculums um, and by exams and examinations and things like that and not being able to really show, because also we forget that, you know, our teachers once had a passion for the subjects they're learning. You know, there are some, the people who actually love history and love maths are often those who end up as teachers. So I would love for them to, you know, pass on that passion to students, which they obviously like sometimes can't because of our system. Right, this is so key because there are so many areas that we've managed to pick apart. Um, going from the curriculum to uniform to teaching styles. But I think there's one other thing about the things that we're not taught in schools, things that are so important for us to know, like taxes and credit cards and life skills that you'll actually need in the future we don't realize but this kind of thing is what causes privilege and it's what causes inequality if you're not taught about credit about credit cards about credit scores at some point in your life you're more likely to run into debt and being in a debt cycle is more likely to lead you into poverty and that's going to make you worse off and that's possibly a butterfly effect of not being taught those skills from when you were younger whereas a child who's been brought up possibly with more money, um, possibly in a better school, possibly in a private school, will know these things and therefore have the opportunity and the skills and mindset of how to be better off when they're older. So we don't realize it, but inequality is a potential consequence of inequality in the education system. Mm, I definitely agree with that. I think that's an amazing perspective actually. And to go further, right, so we've talked about all the issues in the education system and we've obviously highlighted a need for complete change what would you guys say as a message to young people across the country regarding our education system and what we can do to make a difference um if you feel as though you are not getting the education you deserve 
or you are not being treated in the way that you should be treated or you are seeing any form of injustice at all happening within your own school do something about it speak up about it um, and don't be afraid that oh you will get repercussions if you do or you do not because chances are that so many people are with you on this and think the exact same thing you just need to unite with those people because there is power in you and there is power in numbers i just want to say as young people you have so 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 much potential and i don't want to see that go wasted and you're not often told but you really have so much power um and i hope that my message to anyone listening to this is that i want you to feel empowered you know if you do want to speak up you can speak up just because someone tells you you can't that doesn't mean you can't you do have so much potential and you also are the future of our country you could literally be the next prime minister the next amazing scientist the next entrepreneur the next whoever and i don't want to say names here because if i say you know you could be i don't know the next elon musk that's not you you are whoever you are and you are unique and it's what makes you you but also harness that power because it's it's just so amazing to see when young people succeed express yourself even if you can't do that through a school uniform even though you may not be able to express yourself through things since you're restricted through your uniform etc you definitely should speak out against those you definitely should fight back against those because like i've previously said there is power in numbers and we the school would be nothing without the students right the school needs to cater to the needs of the students and you need to make it very clear that you are not your needs are not being met and you definitely can do that just like the students at Pimlico Academy did yes 110% we as young people have so much power we deserve an education system that is going to equip us with the skills we need to be the leaders and the future of tomorrow to everyone who's listened to this episode, thank you so much. Reem, Loshini, thank you so much for joining me and for this amazing discussion. And until next Wednesday at 7.30pm, Hadil Speaks, over and out.